Hi, this is Joe. And I'm Amy. And this is What Makes It Fun with Joe. And Amy. Today's episode, we have uh, Brian Bishop, also known as Bald Brian, from the uh, Adam Carolla show, um, The Film Vault, and he has a new book called Shrinkage. Well, Shrinkage has been out, but he has this paperback version of Shrinkage coming out on June 2nd. Um, such a good interview. We talk about like movies that we love, ways to engage an audience, what makes a satisfying story, um, and... like everything <laughs> it's, it, we just finished recording it and i feel like i've just got off of a ride or something it was really, it was really good what did you think of it amy uh, i loved having brian on the podcast because he he just knows how to talk he knows what people want to listen to he was so affable and just like easy to talk to yeah super friendly guy super nice guy um amazing episode uh so you guys can look forward to that and then after the interview we're going to do a round of Certified fun and almost fun about movies, uh, keeping in with the theme of the show. Um, but for now, enjoy this interview with Bald Brian. Ready to go. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of What Makes It Fun with Joe and Amy. Um, today, our special guest is a. Uh, you are on the Adam Corolla podcast, which is the Guinness holds the Guinness World Record for the number one downloaded podcast. You wrote a book called Shrinkage. Um, and you were you also host the film ball. All correct. <laughs> so far, so good. <laughs> All right, I think this is good. Yeah, let's end it now. You ace the test. Yeah, um, and that's our show. Yep. <laughs> Have a good night, everyone. Um, so, so many things to talk about. Uh, first, I want to talk about just because it's so. This is about entertainment and what makes a product fun. But you didn't say my name. Do people know who I am? Oh, that's right. Do you, do you like an intro at the top? Do you or? need no intro. Okay, I'm, yeah. I'm sure. Yeah. That's my reputation precedes me. <laughs> yeah. um, uh, Brian Bishop, also known as Bald Brian. Um, so, uh, it's because the show is about entertainment and what makes a product fun. And uh, your, your podcast is about um, criticizing movies in a way. Like your top yeah. five. Yeah, yeah, we look back. The, the, the original idea and still sort of the through line for the movie show, The Film Vault, is my idea was to go back and do like a, let's do a weekly top five in a different category and about of our favorite movies, top five sequels of all time, or the top five movies you loved as a kid, or top five movies that scared you as a kid, or top five scenes that are this, or top, top five actors you want to come back, like, things like that. And we still do the top five every week. But we also like talk about the movies we watch, more like a film diary almost. And so it's just uh, it's a little different than the movie shows in the sense that we talk about our favorite movies as opposed to here's what's new in the theaters and here's what's but I, I don't I don't I could give a shit what's new in the theaters unless it's really good in which case it's worth talking about. We'll talk about it. Um, so with that being said, is there like this is like probably the toughest question? Um, do you, is there a favorite movie of all time for you? No, that is the toughest question. We, we, we've toyed with the idea and never even come close to doing it, of doing top five films of all, our top five films of all time. Can't do it. We have a hard enough time picking Christ. This week we're doing, this week, uh, in a couple days, we're going to record um, top five movies with no plot. Oh, wow. And that's hard. I, I'm having a hard time narrowing it down to five. Like, oh there's so God. many good movies that just don't happen to have a plot, but they're great. Like, There Will Be Blood is a great movie mm. with no plot. There, there's no, <laughs> like, if you ever asked to summarize the story, you'd be like, well, this guy gets rich finding oil, and then he finds more oil, and he gets richer, and he has a kid, but he doesn't like him. The end. Like, that's, that's the story. There's no plot. But it's a great movie. So, narrowing it down for any of these. Um, Incredibly granular, incredibly minute categories is hard enough. Yeah. Top five is, is just, it's impossible. Um, Sorry. <laughs> I can't even think of a movie that doesn't have a plot. I think... Uh, a lot of character studies, you know what I mean? Movies like, um, we need to talk about Kevin. I don't know if you guys even know what that yeah. is. It's a very small movie, but it's really, really good. But not much of a plot, just kind of... Uh, Punch Drunk Love is one of my favorite oh, movies. Yeah. It doesn't have a plot. It's just like the guy meets the girl and he kind of wants to date her, but he's also kind of a weirdo. It's not a story. It's just the movie, but it's captivating and fascinating. So there are a lot of movies like that. I don't know if you guys can think of any yourselves, but... I think of the, the Heater. I forget his last name, Heater. Oh, John, John Napoleon Dynamite? Yeah, Napoleon Dynamite. 
That's, that's, a, that's a decent. That's a decent. I mean, it has a little bit of a story, but the story can be summarized in about two sentences. Yeah. So you're right. It's very, it's very light on plot. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, like the wrestler, maybe he doesn't have a great plot. It's like he's he's a wrestler. He's he's got a daughter who doesn't like him. He's kind of making a comeback, but not real. It, it's not a story. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like the fighter is a story because like oh he's got this brother and he's on crack. Or he's got this girlfriend and this wife, and then he's he's got this opponent. It's mm-hmm. it's a little more of a story. Mm-hmm. Have you ever done an episode of the five most like overdone plots where it's just way too confusing to follow? Interesting. You know what we did do was top five high concept movies and a high concept movie. I don't know if you guys know, but maybe your audience doesn't know is a movie that that has a um, very easy to understand plot. Like you can summarize the plot in one set. Like Die Hard is the ultimate high concept movie. <laughs> yeah. Terrorists dig over a building. C- cops stuck inside. That's it. That's the movie. But it's a great movie. Yeah. So high concept can be bad, but can also be great. So we did top five high-concept movies, which is not really what we're talking about, but we've done versions of that. We should do top five needlessly complicated (laughs) plots. That would be an interesting one. Yeah, I think that'd be awesome. Um, So it's kind of hard to narrow down like a favorite movie of all time, but the way way I kind of see it is like, did this movie like engage me so much that I just like feared or just like cried? Uh, For for me, one of my favorite examples is I think Alpha Dog with... um, Justin Timberlake. I never saw Alpha Dog. How is it? It's so good. I've heard I, good things. I had to stop in the middle of it. Because really? Because I was so concerned about the characters that I had to like walk away and like, I'm like I can't take it. <laughs> That's a great criteria, man. I, yeah. I love that. That's oh. good. What about, is there like a movie or like a set of movies that like if you were out with someone and they were like, oh, I don't like this movie, you would just walk away from this person? Like, like they don't, oh, you know what? A recent example, a really good, speaking of top five, a movie that I saw recently and I'm weird about movies. I obsessively go back on um, Netflix allows you to rate movies based on you know your own one to five stars, what yeah. you thought of it. And it'll save your ratings forever as long as you have an account. I've rated every movie I've ever seen or I've tried to. And I'm, over, I'm well over a thousand movies. I don't even know what I'm at now, but it's well over a thousand. And I realized just how many movies I consider great movies that I personally love and would easily vie for my top 25. There's 75 movies vying for my top 25 like of all time. <laughs> last year, last year I saw Whiplash, oh, and yeah, it yeah, changed yeah. my life. I, it's one of the best movies I've ever seen. Okay. It's a contender for top five. It's certainly in my top twenty-five of all time. Wow. Whiplash is amazing, and when if someone was to say I didn't like Whiplash, I would have a very hard time respecting that person for just their judgment, not just their place in movies, just their judgment just as a person. Them. Yeah, but it, 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 uh, it, it's such an incredible... I saw it three times in the theaters, and wow. I, don't, I don't see movies more than once, generally in the theaters, and I paid three times to see it. Okay. Do, you, do you think you can kind of uh, break down why that was so engaging for you? Or? Whiplash specifically? Yeah. Jeez. The story... The obvious stuff. The acting was amazing. Um, J.K. Simmons. Did you guys yeah. see, you guys see Whiplash? No, so J.K. Simmons won the Oscar. Yeah. He was just captain. He jumped off the screen. He he was star making performance for a guy that everyone kind of knows. You know him from yeah. the commercials. You know the farmers insurance commercials, and you know him maybe as from Spider Man or Juno or whatever. But you're like, oh, that guy. I'm not even sure of his name. Career defining performance. He was as good as anyone's ever been in a in a, in a, in a role in a movie. Um, Miles Teller, the lead, the guy who played the lead, he was fantastic. He was really, really good. Uh, Are we all good? Are we good? Are we still going? Okay, good. And then on top of that, the drumming. I mean, the story's about this guy who's a a drumming student at a conservatory in New York, a music conservatory, and he wants to be the best. He has ambitions to be the best. And J.K. Simmons is this professor, this instructor there, who, in his own weird way, pushes him to be the best and the methods you can question and you can question his sanity and you can say, Oh, this guy's a monster. Or you can say he's incredibly driven by this one thing to find and create the best possible drummer out there. And anytime a movie can completely divide people, whether or not, yes, he was a monster. No, he was not a monster. Yes. He knew what he was doing. No, he was just being, if people have legitimate arguments both ways, that's a great script. That's a great, it's written a perfect I felt this way, I felt this way, and, and both people are totally justified in their feelings. So a great script. The directing was, it wasn't too long. It was like 90 or 100 minutes. It was the perfect length. So many movies just stick around too long these days. Like I said, the acting, it, it was all, all the care. every character was really well defined, like even the supporting characters. In movies, a lot 
most of the time. The supporting characters are only there to sort of further the plot. Like, oh, this cop only shows up because the plot needed a cop at that moment. Like, the girlfriend in Whiplash, the dad in Whiplash, all the peripheral characters, they were there for a reason, and they were well-defined, and they helped define the other characters. It was really, really masterful. I, I, I loved it. Yeah, you guys really should check it out. It's uh, I, I get people tweeting me on almost a daily basis, no joke, saying, thank you for talking to Whiplash. I thought that you oversold it, but then I saw it, and oh my God, it's amazing. I, I, I'm so glad that people are discovering it still. That's good. Yeah. Yeah, I'm definitely going to check that out. Please do. It's really good. Um, uh, I'd like to... The, my other definition of a really good movie is I'm kind of hard to make cry at a movie. Okay. Um, but... For me, it's if like the hardest movie I've ever cried at. That's like in the top two of my favorite movies. Okay, what is it? Uh, the Adventures of Milo and Otis. I never saw that either. What? You and I have like inverse movie viewing. <laughs> if we combined our forces, we'd have the ultimate. Every movie yeah. ever made. <laughs> yeah. But it's really it's the thing is for me when I when I look at movies and I judge things in general, um, I don't care about like the content if this is appropriate to tell the people or if this is appropriate for the age demo or whatever I just look at the pacing and the story and yeah and yeah yeah and my little notice is totally for kids sure it's for like six seven year olds maybe but it's so well paced and yeah. so they it's so clear and ah uh, just one of my favorite movies of all time is Wally. And that's a movie for kids, and it's brilliant. The first half is brilliant. The second half is very good, but as a whole movie, it's excellent. It's a very good movie, and who gives a crap? It's for kids. I loved it. Yeah, exactly. Um, I, I, I feel the same way as you in the sense that, for the most part, uh, if a movie can like el- elicit that kind of emotional reaction from me, like literally move me to tears, that's a pretty good sign that it, that it reached me on a you know emotional or personal level. I remember a movie. I don't know if you guys know about. It's a documentary called Young at Heart. Young at Heart is a documentary about um, this uh, senior citizens singing choir. They're, they're a chorus. They sing modern day songs, but they're all like age seventy five and older. And they get together and they rehearse and they perform these songs and. It's, it takes a very kind of clever premise. Like, oh, that's cute. I kind of like to see that. And it, it is very, very powerful and poignant. And in not a depressing way, in a very kind of inspiring, touching way. I, would, I have yet to find someone who did not like Young at Heart. I recommend you guys watch it. You may not have the same reaction as me, but it is, uh, it is a fine, fine documentary. Double feature tonight. Yeah, a lot of music going on with the singing and the drumming. There'll be a lot of music in those movies. Young at Art, write it down. That's a really good movie. So was there like a movie, one, like can you think of your earliest m- movie that you saw that made you go like, I want to be a part of this world that got you to where you are now where you're just like... I mean, the easy answer is probably Star Wars. I mean, that's just sort of, uh, I imagine you guys are around the same age as me and it's our generation's answer to that question is the Star Wars. It wasn't Star Wars the original one because that came out a year before I was born, but that whole trilogy, I watched it on video and I remember when Return of the Jedi came out. Um... And that just sort of stuck with me all these years. And, and movies like Raiders of the Lost Ark, which I consider a perfect movie. It's just so, so brilliant. Um, and I think the first movie I really kind of loved as like a young man when I saw it was probably 11 or 12 years old was Die Hard. I was like, this is an awesome movie. This is so, movies can be awesome. And, and, and uh, you know, from there, it's just been one after the other. A few landmark movies has been like, wow, that really open my eyes to something new or made me think about movies in a different way. Like Pulp Fiction was that way for me. I was the right age for Pulp Fiction when that came out. I was like, oh, there's a whole history of movies that's being referenced in this movie. I need to like open my mind, man. <laughs> uh, there's, it's funny because as a kid, I don't know if you're the same way, but growing up watching movies, I just accepted everything that happened in a movie. Sure. And there was one movie where I'm like, this is wrong. And then every movie I could see wrong things in it. For me, that was uh, Ninja Turtles 2, Secret of the Boot. Okay. Because the first time, I loved Donatello. And he was acting weird in the first scene he was in. Right. I'm like, Donatello doesn't do that. Yeah, yeah, interesting. Yeah, and since then, I was like, people huh. can get this wrong. And then I've been judging things ever since. Wow. I've, I've been judging things. <laughs> <laughs> that one performance. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. do you remember the first I don't, time that happened? I don't know if I've had that experience. I... Wow, no, I, I, I wish I had an answer, but I, 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 
I'm trying to remember the first bad movie I saw as a kid, but even like I remember like I, I thought Police Academy was brilliant when I was like a little kid. So I probably was a late comer to like bad movies. You know what I mean? I was kind of late picking it up. So is there not a top five bad movies of all time? We've done some top five worst of this. We did to- one of my favorites. We did top five worst movie accents, oh like people God. putting on horrible accents, and we played clips of of the accents and stuff. And it, it was a fun episode. Was so we've done a few worst. Was it Mary Poppins? The- yeah. Actually, that didn't make my list. I, as a little kid, I fully bought it. I was like, "Oh, he's a, that's a British guy. <laughs> that guy's that guy's got a Cockney accent." Um, I think maybe I think maybe um, um, what's his name uh, from from Breakfast at Tiffany's. Um, Who's the little guy? Andy Rooney. No, Andy. Uh, uh, Mickey Rooney. Mickey Rooney from Breakfast at Tiffany's as a very Mickey Rooney is a white man. He's a little white man who plays a very very offensively stereotypical Asian guy, I mean, like Mr. <laughs> Mr. Wong, wherever he is, and like, Mr. Harry Gorivery, you, you rate with your rent again. It's like, oh, this passed for comedy in 1960 or whatever it was. So I was like, that is a pretty bad movie accent. That's pretty bad. Have you guys seen Breakfast at Tiffany's? It's been a long time for me. I've never seen you don't, you're missing nothing. You guys, like, there's only one movie the two of you have seen together, and it's Ninja Turtles 2. <laughs> yeah. <Super laughs> oh, I have, I have seen that, and uh, not, yes, Ninja Turtles 2, but Breakfast Tiffany's was also, I think, number one or number two on my list of movies, top five classic movies that don't hold up. I think people have this image of they, they, they have when they think of Breakfast at Tiffany's, they think of the poster on the sorority girl's wall, which is yeah. Audrey Hepburn looking beautiful and iconic, and she does look beautiful and iconic. That is a terrible movie. That is a terrible, offensive movie. When, with, with Mickey Rooney is the Asian guy, oh, very upsetting. Uh, but but that was on my list of top five. Um, it was either overrated or doesn't hold up. Maybe both. Maybe both movies. And now important questions with Amy. Have you? See Monster Squad. Monster Blood? Squad. Monster Squad. Squad. No, I have not. That was Important Questions with Amy. Uh, So it's funny because, like, for me, I think if if someone's attempting something in a movie and I kind of get what they're doing, Mm -hmm. I let it pass if it's not technically awesome. I just get the idea. But a lot of people don't like Ewoks. And, like... I was also five years old when they came out, so I thought Ewoks were great. <laughs> but does that hold up now for you, like the whole Ewok thing? It's very hard to extricate modern-day thoughts on Ewoks from what I experienced as a five-year-old child. As like For me, they were perfectly... Like, I had no problem with Ewoks at the time. I think I had a stuffed Ewok, but again, I was five. Um... Ewoks are very divisive. For me, they're just sort of, they've always been there. They're a necessary, not even necessary evil. They're just a kind of, eh, what are you going to do? Return of the Jedi, if, if anything, it's a little bit underrated because of the Ewoks. Like that, that fight, that, three, that three-way battle sequence at the end where Luke's fighting the Emperor and they're doing the battle on Endor and they're also doing the outer space battle at the Death Star. That's amazing. That's a great, great, that's maybe the best action sequence in the, well, I can't, I can't say that because of Hoth. But still, that's a great, great action sequence. So if anything, Return of the Jedi is a little underrated. So uh, Ewoks, they don't ruin the movie for me. They're just kind of, whatever. They're just kind of there. They're nostalgic, if anything. Ewoks kind of docked points from the movie. Like it's still a great movie. It's still a great movie. Don't don't throw the bathwater out with the Ewoks. <laughs> <laughs> um, so like looking through so many movies, and then of course you have your own uh, Bollywood on mm-hmm. the Adam Carolla show. Uh, what do you think is the most easiest offense a movie can do when you're you see like a, it's a common theme of like studios always get this wrong. Like what's the most common? Okay, wait, rephrase that question because I'm not quite sure what you're asking me. Okay, so when you're reviewing movies for right. Hollywood, um, is, what is the easiest thing to offend uh, a viewer by? Like, oh. Like, is it character development? Is it that villains are so stereotypical? If that's a thing. Uh, it depends. Okay, it depends on the kind of movie. But let's t- it's summertime right now, so let's take these big summer movies. My biggest... We've done, we've done, on Film Vault, backing up a second, we've done two editions of the same top five. Occasionally, the top five has so many, so much fruit, we'll go back to that tree and pick it over and over again. And we've done two editions. We're due to do a third of top five movie pet peeves. So many things about movies piss us off, from from uh, certain sounds you hear in every movie versus uh, up to all the way up to what you're talking about, which is major like annoyances. And one of my major problems with summer movies in particular, like the Avengers and the Avengers 2 or wherever the fuck we're on right now, 
There are no stakes. What you're talking about, the thing where you fear for a character, mm-hmm. you would love a movie because you fear for that character or, or draws an emotion out of you. How are you supposed to fear for anyone in the Avengers or in Captain America 2 or in Iron Man 3? Is Iron Man going to... There's no chance Iron Man ever dies, let alone gets hurt in any of these movies. There has to be an Iron Man 4. There has to be an Iron Man 5. Corporations are depending on him living for the next movie. There's no danger for any of these characters. If there's any danger, it's very moderate or it's a very minor character. Like when Clark Gregg, you know, agent whatever, whatever, died in, in Avengers, it's like, all right, well, he was kind of extraneous, and he, can, he has a spinoff TV show, so yeah. he'll be fine. Yeah. That upsets me so much because I think you're 100% right. You identify a movie reaches you if, you're, if you care about the characters. You're fearful for them or you're hopeful for them or you're, you're moved to tears when something happens to them or they do something. Is there any chance, is there any danger for any of these characters? Is there any chance that something does, is there any chance the Avengers don't save the world? Is there any chance that they don't save humanity? No, of course not. So why are we seeing these movies? I don't understand. The spectacle is there. Yes, of course, but uh, please give me some stakes. Guarantee that one Avenger will die and I will show up for that movie. I'm in. So do you go into the like Avengers uh, 2 with that in your head? Like they're not going to lose. I mean, I can't, yeah, you can't, you, I can't escape it. I'm like, this is, if it goes any other way than what I'm predicting, I will be shocked and amazed, but I'm sadly predicting it's going to go this way. That said, I can divorce myself from that thought and still respect that Avengers 2 is a well-made movie. It's technically proficient. I saw it. I thought it was slightly above average, but, but I I can't tell someone, I can't grab, I can't grab some of my lapels and say, Whatever you do, skip Whiplash tonight and go see Avengers 2. Like, uh, that's insane. That's, that's insane. I'm just going to take that sound bite out of it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Isolate that. Get that as a drop. That's the reason why I didn't like Hulk Hogan. Because he was so overpowered. Like, I knew he was going to win every match he was in. There was a stretch there where he was undebe- undefeatable. Yeah. He literally could not be defeated. He was a champion for five years. Mm-hmm. And, like, no matter how smart or strong or tall you were, like, you just couldn't beat him. You know what? That was actually, you know, to answer your question in a sideways way from earlier, I remember I was a wrestling fan probably the same time as you were when Hulk Hogan during his reign. And I remember um, when Saturday mornings would come around and they'd have, you know, all the undercards leading up to the main event and it would, you know, it was, it was, or Sunday morning, whatever it was. And it was a certain number of matches, you know, 10, 12 matches. It was always some big star versus some guy you literally have never heard of. Some guy just like, and now in this corner, Joe Johnson. It's like, oh, some guy just in black trunks. It's like, well, he's obviously not a star. There's no way he's going to win this match. Yet I'm still interested. Yet I also kind of know he's never going to win. So uh, they never, ever had the name guy lose to the anonymous guy. And uh, that did kind of ruin wrestling for me a little bit towards the end of my, you know, big, Fanship. I was like, no, this, this, there's no way this guy's losing. Yeah. And another weird thing is when they were at war with WCW, they, WCW started putting stars versus stars. Every right. Week. So WWF did that. But the thing is, there's only so many combinations. Sure. So every year you would see the same guys wrestle the same guys. And why didn't he win this time and he didn't win last time? Yeah. They see, in my era of WWF uh, enthusiasm, they saved all the star versus star matches for Wrestlemania or SummerSlam or one of those big events Royal Rumble or something like yeah. that's when you would get the name versus the name but like on the, the, the weekly you know Sunday morning whatever it was or Saturday morning it was it was just you know guy versus anonymous guy you know star versus anonymous guy and it was like mm, alright I don't know really why I'm watching this yeah it's I don't know uh, it's, I just what, like what I do when I watch wrestling is the same thing I do when I watch movies and play games for that matter is I just play dumb I just pretend I don't know anything about nothing mm. and I just accept everything that okay. happens okay and suspension of disbelief yeah nice but I do it consciously and then the second time I'm fucking full on judge yeah that first time it's actually kind of I agree, I agree with that. I like similarly. I like to go into movies knowing as little as possible. Yeah. Like I, 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 I love trailers, but and I, there's certain movies you can't avoid commercials for. But at the same time, I watched a movie last night called The Voices that I'd never heard of, and I literally only knew about it what Anderson, my co-host on the film vault, had told me about it, which is not very much. So it's kind of like, oh, here's a movie I don't know anything about. It was kind of refreshing. Oh, neat! I just did that um, yesterday, last mm. night as well. I went and saw Ex Machina. Oh, what'd you think? 
Uh, I really liked it. I thought it was amazingly done. I yeah, pretty smart movie. It's very smart. It had very. It's such an interesting take. I thought the acting was stellar. And I like a movie like that. I will take ideas over action mm-hmm. any day of the week. And the movie had tons of ideas and just a little bit of hardly any action. Yeah. And but it was it was great. We both liked it. Yeah, I thought I loved the. Um, uh, the special effects too, yeah. just beautiful. Yeah. I thought the girl was prettier without the hair and, really? and, and clothes. <laughs> Strangely enough, I was somehow more attracted to her as the as a half robot. <laughs> Wait, but that's you're saying that's a movie that you knew nothing. I knew nothing, nothing going into. I just knew the title, mm-hmm. which I kept on trying to like associate the title in the movie too. I was like, where is this coming in? <laughs> right. Like the whole time, but um, it, it, that that title can be taken different ways. I don't want to give away too much because I want people to be able right. To well, you know, you're familiar with the, with the phrase "day sex machina." Yeah. yeah. Um, that was one that that's a t- that is a topic I've pitched to Anderson many times, and he's always shot down for good reason because I want to do top five Deus Ex Machinas, which are in terms of filmmaking or movie watching. That's an event that happens that literally comes out of nowhere yeah. and is kind of like oh the hero's rescued at the last minute by a boulder falling on his enemy. Yeah. It's like well that kind of came out of nowhere and was a very fortunate circumstance for that guy and. Granted, those would be a lot of spoilers. So Anderson's like, no, we can't do that. But I, I, I always kind of keep track in my mind of, of a good Deus Ex Machina. Oh. Like, you've seen uh, Donnie Darko? Oh, yeah, yeah. When the car, the car takes out uh, the guy with the gun. Oh, it takes, oh, he takes out Donnie, right? Donnie Doesn't Donnie have the gun? The car uh, at the end takes him out? I'm almost positive. I think Donnie yeah, has the gun. So. And then the car takes him out. No, the car takes out the girl. The car takes out, yeah, uh, yeah the girl. The girlfriend, yeah. Anyway, I think at one point, right before it happens, Donnie or someone says, deus ex machina, and then the car comes out of nowhere, and it's a very, very kind of like winking at the audience kind of moment. I actually kind of liked it because that movie's so out there, but yeah. it, was a, it was a very obvious example. Okay, so I think, I don't know what deus ex machina means. Oh, what it literally means? Uh, yeah. It means God from the machine. God from the machine. It, it kind of, it, it's interpreted to be like, oh, this happened unnaturally or, or oh okay yeah. that's very hard to pull off i would think they're almost they're usually bad they're yeah. usually like oh this thing just happened and now i'm very dissatisfied yeah but then sometimes it's interesting or it's uh unusual or it's it's captivating i feel like sometimes and i love stephen king but i feel like this sort of happens at the end of his novels a lot where he yeah. just like built it up so much so much so much He's like uh i don't know like literally at the end of the stand the hand of god right right yeah yes <laughs> yeah exactly that's that's uh yeah and, and goes like oh, and all the bad people are dead you're okay yeah exactly <laughs> What? Um, yeah, that's that's a great example. Mm-hmm. That's so strange. Um, so if something happens out of nowhere that resolves an, un, an otherwise unresolvable situation. Mm-hmm. That's a Deus Ex Machina. Yeah. Do you think that they even referenced it by name in um, uh, 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 adaptation, the Nicolas Cage oh, movie where he's playing Charlie Kaufman. He's playing the writer of the movie he's writing. I don't know if you guys have seen that or not. It's it's a very weird movie. He played Charlie Kaufman is a real person who wrote uh, being John Malkovich. Yeah. He's a writer, and Nicolas Cage is playing the writer of the movie he's in, and he's playing the guy who's adapting the story that becomes the movie. It's a very circular kind of logic. And at some point, it's all about how Charlie Kaufman is struggling to write this. This He's adapting an unadaptable novel. And at one point, he's kind of backed himself into a corner. And some, his writing, his old writing instructor is saying, like, what are you going to do now? Don't you dare go with the deus ex machina. Like, and that's exactly what happens. An alligator jumps out and kills. Like, it's a very funny... That would be on my list of top five. Uh, I was going to say, do you think most of these are just... Are planned ahead of time, or they just come to a point where they're like fucked and they have to throw it in. I feel like at this point, it's so someone would have pointed it out to them early in the process, so they must know what they're doing because I don't think people can get away with it anymore. Yeah, I don't know. Who knows? Okay. Um, so I want to switch gears a little bit and talk about uh, your book. Yeah, please. Uh, I actually bought it twice. What? Because I got the book and I got it signed at an Irvine show. Oh, sweet. And then I, I can't read it. By who? It. Oh, uh, Adam. <laughs> oh, well, good. I'm hope, I hope you read nice things. Uh, and then, um, I know you signed it. Uh, and then I, I don't like to read because I fall asleep. Like, I, I just can't read anything. Sure. It's, but I, so I bought the audiobook as well. Oh, sweet. And it's so, it's, it's so. Thank you, by the way. So many strong, like, Feelings, so many feels, like every chapter almost. Yeah. And I'm trying to, I'm trying to figure out, like, are you? Obviously, it's your life story; it really happened. But how conscious are you 
were you of the audience and getting like an emotional investment out of them versus just telling your story? Um, boy, good question. Um, I guess I hoped for an emotional response when I was writing it, but I couldn't obviously predict. Although a couple times I did get misty eyed myself, but I was writing about painful things in my own, you know, for my own life. But I couldn't, I, I never, I never could have predicted that the audience or the reader would react the same way I was reacting because I lived it. I know what I was feeling and I was feeling it again, writing it. Um, that said, I was a, uh, I was a creative writing major in college, so I, I do fancy myself a decent storyteller, so I, I, I did kind of hopefully, I did consciously attempt to navigate those highs and lows of the process, you know what I mean, of, of what I was feeling. I, was, I tried to build up to the emotional highs, and I tried to make the audience feel when I was you know, experiencing a low moment or, or, or a joyous moment, whatever it was. Yeah, and I imagine that'd be so hard because... Like you're so honest in it that was there ever a moment of like, oh, my mom might read this chapter. Yes. About- <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yes, absolutely. My my, I my number one. Um, I think my number one thought the whole time was just to be honest and just tell people the truth because there were a number of things that happened that were not flattering or not you know on a lighter note. You know, I, I literally. Did you read the book? No. Oh, spoiler alert. I pooped myself two times. What? I was on chemo and radiation. So it was messing with my... Never mind. Point is, I was like, oh, yeah, I got to talk about that because my thought was someone else going through my situation, if they experience something that I experienced and I don't talk about it or I don't mention it, what good am I doing? What, how am I helping anybody by literally ignoring this, this thing that happened? And someone reading it might be like, oh man, I went through this and he never went through that. I wonder how much worse I have it than him. You know what I mean? That kind of thing. And whereas if they specifically to your point about like, you know, um, the chapter about, you know, my, my parents and my wife and how they weren't getting along for a period of time because cancer is extremely stressful and it really kind of draws a lot of people apart and piss them against each other and, and draw, draws out certain things in people in situations that are unpleasant, frankly. And, um, I, you know, I, I thought, I thought what a good idea would be to sort of, well, let's just let sleeping dogs lie. My wife and my family are getting along really well and things are all kind of patched up. But then in the back of my mind, I was like, actually what really did it for me? I think I, I think I mentioned the book was I had a chance to speak at a, uh, at a, uh, conference for young men with cancer or young people with cancer like 30s 20s and 30 year olds uh stupid cancer cancer. yeah yeah and it was their big uh, convention um and i uh spoke at it at a a, a breakout session called just for guys and we talked to one of the moderators i was on a panel one of the moderators was like oh who's experienced this and who's experienced that and he said, who here has experienced like family, like familiar, familial stress, like stress with your family or problems with your family? And every hand in the room went up. And it was kind of eye-opening to me. It was like, wow, this is a very universal emotion. I mean, or situation. This is something that affects every young man in the room here, certainly, you know, with, with cancer. And so I thought to myself, what... I, I would be um, I would be in a way lying about my situation or my experience yeah. if I didn't mention that this happened. And obviously, this is something that affects the majority of people in my situation. So I I owe it to them, to the person reading, the person I envision reading who wants some reassurance or some guidance or some support or just a, a laugh because they're you know go through the same thing I went through. Uh, if they're experiencing what I experienced, then the, it, it's 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 my duty to to at least acknowledge it and say this happened. Have you heard much response from the book about like um, has anyone like tweeted to you or like sent you a letter or anything about their experiences and how the book affected them? Yeah, I, I not not to exaggerate, I get an email or a tweet or something. Every day, pretty much, at least, uh, saying, here's the unexpected benefit of, of writing the book. I'm glad people liked it. I'm glad people enjoyed it or found it funny or insightful or poignant or whatever. What's amazing is the emails that I get every day or tweet or something saying, just finished the book. Now I understand what my friend is going through, or now I understand what my dad went through, or, my, or, or now I, you know, my mom passed away, and now I understand a little more what she was going through. And mind-blowing mind-blowing that i put something on the world that people are responding to emotionally and that's helping people it's like actually you know a resource or it's a it's a it's a benefit or, or it's helpful or it's just reassuring to some people it's it's incredible and not at all something that i anticipated but it's the most the most rewarding part of the whole process 
Has there been any negative response or has everyone been uh, overwhelmingly positive? You know, it, it's, no, luckily, luckily, all the, all the reviews I've gotten have been positive. It's hard to give a cancer memoir right. that yeah. review, let's be honest. That was a slow and yeah, exactly. You really real asshole. I think I think I think Penthouse magazine uh, reviewed it in a very snarky kind of way. They were like, This book starts off with the most boring, you know, meat cute story of all time and I was like, I don't know if it's the most boring. I mean it might be boring, but it's not the most but then they ultimately gave it a nice review. So, you know, that's just them being, you know, kind of snarky about it. But I think on Amazon, that's all I have to go off is online reviews. People, no one's going to come up to my face and be like, "Your book sucked." Yeah. Well, they might. I can't. I can't rule it out. Maybe the next live show, someone will say <laughs> that. But on Amazon, I, 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 there's a handful of negative reviews, and some of them are well thought out. Like, I just didn't find this funny, or I just didn't like the way he portrayed this. And uh, in a way, I, I respect that person for. I don't mind a well thought out negative review on anything, the film vault or, or a joke I made on the Corolla show, less so that because it's kind of off the cuff, yeah. but it's like, you know what, if you considered something and had a negative reaction to it, as opposed to just knee jerk, like that, nah, don't like that guy or nah, this isn't good. Like if you thought about it and your reaction is, and your, your analysis is that you didn't like it, eh, it didn't, it, it didn't work for you. I, you know, I, I apologize and maybe the next thing will. But I've been lucky, extremely lucky, and the vast majority has been positive. Again, hard to give a negative review to a cancer, cancer <laughs> memoir. Yeah. Uh, no, it's, it's funny because like, uh, after I finished it, the, the, like, the word to summarize it was, I, I mean, even though I, I can't really relate to it, um, it was very satisfying. Like the whole book was satisfying. Thanks. And I think it's because all the truth in there. It's, and I think that's also what makes a good movie is if you're satisfied, like if everything makes sense, even if it's good or bad, but the ending makes the world make sense. Yeah. I think that might be kind of what happened. Because that's definitely what happened with the book is I felt like, yeah, all everything okay. works for me. Thanks, man. That's very, uh, that's awesome. I uh, appreciate that. We did top five, um, we've done top five bleak endings on the film vault. So movies that end bleakly, but they're still great movies or the ending itself is so incredibly bleak that it's still, you know, even though you said like it's a sad ending, yeah. it can still be great. We've yeah. done top five good movies with bad endings. We've done top five bad movies with good endings. So we, 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 we've covered the gamut of, of uh, good and bad. Did you ever see Arlington Road? No, but I'm familiar with it. I know, I know how yeah. that ends, and that's, yeah. a, that's kind of a bleak ending. Yeah, it is. It's one of those. I saw it when I was a kid. Like, right. It came out, and it, like, I was upset for weeks. <laughs> <laughs> that's an that's effective movie. Yeah, I sometimes think, and that movie will always stick with me. I right. think that also makes a good movie. Maybe when it's not satisfying, right. but like still makes sense. Yeah, or sticks with you. Yeah. Well, a good example, speaking of Stephen King, The Mist is oh, a movie God. with an incredibly bleak ending. Have you seen it? The newest one? No, the, not the... The Mist is from like, yeah, 2010, 2009 yeah. maybe. Oh, you did see it? With uh, Thomas yeah. Jane. With Thomas Jane, directed by Frank Darabont. I don't know the director. It's oh. the one with the, the thing came out from under the... Yeah, the mist comes and they're all trapped in the grocery store. Yeah, yeah, I saw that. Oh God, yeah, that ending you, is. is yeah, it's pretty bleak. It's pretty bleak. Yeah, it's like the worst. But I, but I felt like yeah, that would happen. <laughs> yeah, you're right. The, 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 you know what? The movie unfolds very um, uh, believably, very yeah. sort. Of, I mean, considering they're aliens from outer space, <laughs> it, it unfolds very logically. I should say. Yeah, yeah. it does. And oh, you, you hate that woman. Yeah, Mrs. Movie. Carmody. That's Marcia Gay Harden. She was great. She was but she was awful. Yeah, at the same time. Uh, that's another good one. Uh, villains you love to hate, I'm sure. Yeah, I think that. actually, you know what? She was on a list, and I want to say it might have been top five douchebags, top five douchebag characters. <laughs> and she kind of fits because she was awful. Oh, she was the worst. She was on a list like that. If it wasn't that, it was similar. Uh, and then, so your, your paperback version of the book is coming out June 2nd. Yeah, right? correct. Oh, cool. wow. And that's, uh, where is that available? Everywhere, uh, and literally wherever you go, you'll see it now. Um, uh, Amazon and Barnes and Noble and uh, yeah, everywhere books are uh, book, finer books are available. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, your site is called Brian.com with a Y. Uh, BrianBishop.com. Brian Bishop. Yes, with a Y. Correct. You're you're half right. <laughs> uh, and then Bald Brian is. I, I've been to BaldBrian.com before. Obviously, when I was looking back at buying a website, actually, I think I bought. You no, know, whatever. Brian Bald Brian. I feel like is. A website of poetry or artwork or something. I'm not quite sure what goes on there, but uh, uh, it could be worse. Yeah, it could be, short, be yeah. a lot worse. Could be a lot worse. That's when you know you made it. Is when your website, your name, direct redirects to like a porn site. That's when you know you made it. That's what I aspire for. Yep, we should all aim so high. 
and your, your Twitter? What is your Twitter? Uh, that is Bald Brian, at Bald Brian with a Y. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule. Yeah. Thanks for having me, you guys. It was a lot of fun. Cool. Thank you. All right. So, such a good episode. I really loved having him on. There's so many pearls of wisdom there and very interesting and entertaining guy. Uh, I'm super excited to go see Young at Heart and yeah. Whiplash and also get Shrinkage now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I have read it and it did bring me to tears on more than one uh, chapter. So, I highly recommend that book. Um, all right. So, now let's get on with Certified Fun. This is Certified Fun. All right. Uh, do you want to start off here? Sure. So my certified fun is actually just happened last night for me when I went with one of my friends to go see Ex Machina in theaters. Uh, it was a movie I didn't know anything about at all outside of the title. Mm-hmm. And I was really, really pleasantly surprised. I want If you guys go out to go see it, I think you should see it without knowing much about it, which is going to make it difficult for me to talk about certified fun. Yeah. But I will do the best I can. Um, for one thing, really, really stellar acting in it. Everybody it was a small cast and it was just fantastic. Uh, the visual element, elements are stunning in it, like the concept. It's a, it's a brilliant concept. I talked a little bit about it in the interview just now, so you guys have a little bit about it already. Um, it just go out and see it. It really makes you think. It's, it's just really fascinating. They just had every element put together perfectly. It's suspense builds well. Yeah, go see it. <laughs> Would you call it satisfying? I was super. Um, actually, no. It was not a satisfying movie for me, anyway. Like uh, things happen in it the way you kind of, the way they actually would in real life, but not the way you want them as an audience member because you do care about the characters and you want to see things turn out differently for some of them. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Okay, I, I definitely need to check that out. And then you also saw it because you had no idea what it was, so that probably. Um, added to your experience because you had no expectations at all. You just it just kind of built it unfolded before your eyes, um, and that's that's super cool. I wish that would happen more often. And I think we were talking about that earlier. Alfred Hitchcock, mm-hmm. uh, Hitchcock used to try to reveal or be as vague as possible for when he was advertising all his movies because he knew that uh, if people expected certain things, it would kind of ruin the discovery for them. I think. Uh, yeah, I would definitely recommend going to see this one without knowing what it's about. And that's how it was presented to me. Like, don't, don't, don't look into it and just go see it. Um, and it's nice. You, yeah, I think it's, I think it's a really good, um, like eye opening or mind wandering type of movie. It really mm-hmm. makes you think and consider and really question where, you know, the human race is headed. Wow. Yeah. Okay. That's so vague now. Right? (laughs) Okay, I'm going to see that. Yeah. All right, so my service five fun is um, The Hammer by Adam Carolla. Uh, It came out, I believe, in 2007. And the cool... uh, I'm going to just do spoilers. (laughs) (laughs) If you don't want spoilers, fast forward for like a minute. Ignore everything Amy said. (laughs) (laughs) Know everything about this movie. Um, so the coolest thing about it is that once again with the expectations is we and Adam Crowell has said this uh, on his podcast before that you, you when you when you're doing like a sports movie there's like only one and a half endings you could do which is they win or they don't but with the hammer uh, without trying not to give so much away it's neither of those but mm. it's still super satisfying and the thing I liked about it is that um, he's such He's like likable, but he's very. You really feel for his character uh, in the movie because you want him to succeed, and you kind of know that he he can't because of his age. So it's a very real problem. It's the opposite of the Avengers, where you know nothing can mm-hmm. defeat them. You know that Adam Adam Krola's character can be defeated because he's an older guy trying to go out and you know get uh, to go box with all these younger guys. So there's a very real fear and there's real stakes against him. And, and the ending, you don't really see coming, but it makes all the sense in the world. Um, it's definitely not a deus ex machina yeah. ending. It's so satisfying and um, I cry at the end of it like I do uh, to most movies. <laughs> uh, all right, so now let's go to the other end of the spectrum. This is fun. <laughs> Almost. All right, so... 
For my almost fun, I am going to talk about I Am Legend. Um, this was super cool. I, I liked the movie. It was very well done, obviously. Everything technical about it was very well done. I thought the story was very interesting because in the beginning they set your expectations for a certain kind of experience, like he's the only guy in the world, and you are wondering why and how is he getting along and will he ever see another human? How's this, what are these creatures that are following him? Um, but the ending itself, it was very, it felt very just tacked on. Like yeah. It, it didn't flow with the rest of the movie. And I had read somewhere that, I think in the book or something, he was, he was the legend to the monsters. Like, he was the legendary monster to all these people, all these mutants. Yeah. So that's why it's called I Am Legend. And if that would have been a better ending to have him as, like, the villain... Of yeah. it. it would have made the rest of the story made sense rather than him doing this kind of, uh, you know, just kamikaze type, you know, uh, self blow up <laughs> move. Like it didn't make sense. It didn't fit the characters. Yeah. Like he's trying so hard to live and then he blows himself up. Is that the, did, is his dog randomly female at the end of the movie too? Like I seem to recall, and I think it's this movie that like he's got a German Shepherd with yeah. him the whole time, and he never really like refers to the sex of the animal until the end when they reveal that it's a girl and it's supposed to be some sort of like oh my god and like what oh I don't know I think that's this one yeah that, that went way over my head then I love animals too much. <laughs> <laughs> That's what resonates. Um, yeah. But the whole, yeah. <laughs> in my mind, the movie's about a German shepherd <laughs> that goes after mutants. Uh, yeah, so that's my almost fun. I think if they would have just changed that ending to something that would have made more sense in the world that they had already created, I think that movie would have been certified fun for sure. Uh, Amy? So my almost fun is a movie that I think is still in theaters but may have just left. Uh, which is called Home. It's the newest picture by Dreams, DreamWorks. And this movie has like a couple of good qualities that I really love about it. And um, it stars a, a person of color, a young girl person of color. And I'm so about this. I'm so happy to see a lot of this in animation where there are a lot of people of color being represented, women being represented. Like the whole story stars, it, there's a, a male character, but he's an alien, but stars this female person of color. And I love that. Uh, that's fantastic um, and then there's also one of an actor I really enjoy Matt Jones who does like a, just a stellar job uh, voice acting for I think the character's name is Kyle yeah Kyle and like he did such an amazing job with that they did you know and, and visually like DreamWorks has just got a stunning animation department so a lot of these factors would go into making this really fun and also that um, it's about someone who, you know, is kind of like a fish out of water, doesn't know his place. The alien, uh, for the most part, like, is just, you know, um, very relatable in that regard. Mm -hmm. But then it just falls apart um, in the storytelling aspect. It kind of falls apart. It, it it doesn't have the chemistry between the two characters. Isn't there? One of their biggest problems is they chose Rihanna to do the voiceover for the, for the main character. And... You know, like you want big names attached. A lot of movies love this, having a, a big name actor attached. But Rihanna's not an actor. And you can tell when you watch the movie that you're, that it's somebody sitting there reading the lines. Has no, there's no humanness to her character at all. All the songs in the movie are Rihanna songs. It's just like, you know, fine. But we're just, you know, you can't, you can't help but watch it and be like, uh huh, yeah, okay. And then they did, their character designs were really off too. Like, even though it's a beautiful movie to watch, like, the characters themselves were poorly done. Um, they have, like, the cat's name is Pig, which is really, the cat's cute, but they didn't, and they made it fat, which is really, you know, in right now, like a cute, fat animal. But they just, they're just, the eyes aren't right, the face is just a little too frumpy. So the cat is adorable, but he's not, he could be cuter. Right. And the alien character looks like all the other aliens. There's nothing distinguishing him. And unlike Emmett from the Lego movie, where that's a part of his character, this, oh gosh, his name, also they did a really bad job talking about his name, because the whole time he would refer to himself as his um, species name. Mm -hmm. So for most of the movie, I was like, I know his name isn't, uh, I don't even remember what the species name is right now, but I'm like, I know it isn't that, but that's all he keeps referring to himself as. So it was just very like, um, you know, humdrum 
plot, like not really thought out, not very interesting. So it could have been fun. Like if like three, four, five, fifteen more revisions, it might have been like passable. But um, I would not. I'd, I'd only recommend going to see it because I want to encourage the trend of people of color, women, like more representation in animation. Right. But like the story itself is is not worth your seventeen dollars on a Saturday night. Yeah, that is very good. Because uh, I, when I saw the commercials, I wasn't sure what to feel about it. Because I didn't, mm-hmm. even the main character, I wasn't like, oh, he's not that appealing to me. And then yeah. just knowing that he's just the same as everyone else for no reason. Yeah. That's, yeah, it's kind of a weird decision. Uh, all right. Super cool. Um, so, guys, thanks so much for checking us out uh, this week, uh, this month. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we have some super cool interviews coming up. We have some more Disney Imagineers and some pro wrestlers and uh, you have... Fashion designer, fashion animation designer. or um, character designers. Yeah, we got cartoon writers and producers. Mm-hmm. So many cool guests to get to. Uh, so awesome. Um, and, guys, be sure to check us out at whatmakesitfun.com. We're also on Instagram at What Makes It Fun. Uh, Amelia, where are you at? Um, so you can find me at uh, ameliaclover.com as my website and Amelia, Cl- uh, Amelia Clover VO for Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr. Awesome. All right. Guys, thank you so much for joining us and have fun. Yeah.